everybody. Y'all hear this noise in the background is because I got my girls with me. Uh, this is Dr. Malika. This is the Transforming Your Life podcast. As I mentioned last week, I got kind of gave y'all a little commercial that I was going to have some hot topics with my girls. So this is it. Um, just be prepared. It's about to be off the chain. Probably not as professional as what you're normally used to seeing. But <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. Um, let me introduce my girls. So we're going to start with Hyacinth Palmer. She's going to tell you a little bit about herself. My name is Hyacinth Palmer, and I am a mother and a grandmother, and I am a minister, and I am a taco mista. That's her denomination, in case you guys didn't know. Taco was her denomination. It's her religious affiliation. Next, we have Cheryl Wyndham Davis. <laughs> Yes, Cheryl Wyndham Davis. Um, Bishop. Talking to the mic, Bishop. Cheryl Bailey Davis. I am a preacher, a teacher. Uh, I'm a professional businesswoman for 30 years. I am a facilitator. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here with Dr. Malika. All right. Next up, one of my best friends in the whole wide world. Uh... I won't say her her childhood nickname. That's just wrong for the for the public okay. to hear. <laughs> Lynette <laughs> Wyndham Brown. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Lynette. I'm so happy to be here with you all tonight. Um, Malik and I have known each other for probably I don't know 35 years plus, um, and um, you know we we have a very strong friendship. But I am um, professionally I'm an attorney and working in uh, risk management, compliance, and, um, and law for like the past 15 years. And that's it. All right. Now, to give diversity to this, <laughs> I have my youngest daughter and Lynette's youngest child, her daughter here. I'm going to let Carrington introduce herself. You want to say something to the people, baby girl? My name is Carrington Jones. I am 18, class of 2019. Woo, 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 woo. We'll be graduating June 5th and attending Vanguard University at, as a psychology major. Y'all heard that? Say it again. What's your major again? Psychology. Yes, yes. <laughs> Your, your, cash app, your cash app number. Uh, you can add me on Instagram at <laughs> underscore Carrington. That's C-A-R-R-I-N-G with two N's. <laughs> wow. Yeah, see, generational thing. And then last but not least, the youngest in the room, Mikhail. Hello, everyone. My name is Mikhail Brown. I'm class of 2021. I do not know yet what I'll be attending, but hopefully at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um... You can add me on Instagram at Mikkel Brown. It is M-E-K-E-L-L-E, and the last name Brown spelled regularly, B-R-O-W-N. Thank you very much. Wow. Mm. We ain't doing this right, y'all. We didn't yeah, get none of our over. social media. Oh, okay. Heisen wants to do over, but we'll, we'll let you do over later. All right. So, hot topics. Let's just out the gate. The abortion ban. Multiple state abortion ban. I'm going to just let whoever wants to start in on their, their feelings and opinions about it. I'll go with Mikkel first because she actually posted something about this that I thought was very thought-provoking, very very much above her age level, right, the way she expressed it. So I'm going to start with her and then let everybody else chime in on what they have to say. All righty. 
Um, I just posted a little video on my Instagram, which I told you about earlier, um, just about how in the beginning God gave us a choice from back when we had Adam and Eve on the earth. He gave us a choice to eat from the uh, from the tree of good of knowledge of good and evil, or we couldn't and just live in paradise with God in the Garden of Eden. And um, Eve chose to eat the fruit with Adam, and I think that that was God giving us a choice. And I don't think that we as humans should ban choices of other people because we may not agree with them. God's not a dictator, and he's not like, follow me or else I will run you to the ends of the earth and you won't be allowed in my family. He's always there with open arms, and I think that we shouldn't be in the position to restrict something for people if God gives us free choice himself. So that's just my personal opinion. Well, now Heisen has a face going on. So since she got this face, I'm gonna ask her to give us her opinion. I got a face going on for my phone. Okay, but besides that, we just came from eating Mexican food, which is one of her favorite things in life. Again, her, her denomination is taco. Um, this, prob this probably will sound um, elementary, but my belief is this. I don't think you should take away anybody's right. It's like with a drug, um, you know, passing the drug off. If you're gonna do drugs, you're gonna do it whether it's legal or illegal. And if you're not, you're just not. So give people the choice, let them make their own decision. It's not your body to dictate what people do with their body. Now I know that's probably against the um, the tenets of the church, but um, it's your body. That should be your choice. It's your choice to take medicine, so it should be your choice to do. Choice is different than that. Because that's my that's my question. Is this really a religious argument that we're talking about here, or is this really something else? Well, I think there's there is the choice to have an abo abortion, and then there's the choice of someone to uh, you, you're making a choice with your body, and then. What's the other? What would I say? Choice versus the act. I'm sorry gotcha. that I, I got my words twisted. But it's the it's the choice versus the actual act, and you can make a choice to or to not. But then you can have a strong belief on whether the act of it is is wrong or or right. So I, I don't think you should be able to impose your choice on someone else or your beliefs on someone else. But I also think it would be an interesting conversation to say if. The person who helped impregnate you were required to pay child support at the time of conception. Well, what what would the argument be then? I mean, would would we still have these strong arguments on whether we favor it or not? You know, based on people who are not carrying the child, you know, telling us what to do or not to do. Bring them in and say, okay, well then, if life starts at conception, then let's start compensating the mom at the time of conception for having that fetus in her body. There you go. The, the lawyer has spoken. <laughs> the bishop. Um, I don't know who the bishop. I like Sorry. messing with her. I know. We did. And she gets Brown. she gets me back, but I do. Because she is an authority figure in a religious sense, it's not who she is, it's just one of her functions. Um I'm interested to hear her perspective on this. Well, I think it's very, I think it's very, very, um, I think it's complicated. And I believe 
on many levels we talk about it. Um, so I believe on, you know, on the level of choice, independent of whatever your choices are, I think people feel that you should have choices. Um, the, the challenge we get with this particular issue is um, if you ignore that um, what we're talking about is a potential of life or a life, depending on when you believe that life starts, then it gets to be a little more challenging. I mean, I know in general, I feel that most individuals would want um, a fetus to, um, you know, be viable. That I mean, that's with anything in life. You want the fetus to live. You want the fetus to be birthed. I just believe that what we what we're seeing is a, a political issue, but it's not really about life. It's it's about something else. I, I can't say that I, I can answer what that something else is, but um, there are various laws in various states that are very interesting. And I was just kind of surfing through some of them while you all were talking. Um, it's really this discussion: when does life begin? That's what I feel like we really are not discussing. We're we're kind of eliminating the discussion by eliminating the issue like well that's just I have course and I have to worry about where does life begin but in reality I think that's what people are asking and and when can we um, terminate that life um, you know is it eight months is it nine months is it is it uh, six weeks is it you know we were talking about is it in an in vitro realization too when you inseminate it it is a very complicated issue. I, think I thought that was interesting since you brought that up. The point you made about the in vitro and those who have to go through artificial means in order to conceive. How does this whole argument about when life begins, how do you express how that whole thing kind of spirals out of control when you talk about the artificial means? Well, if we say that life begins at conception, and if this wasn't mine, it was really a discussion I heard when I was listening to... Um, talk radio talk and uh, these medical ethics people are involved in this discussion like when does life begin if if that is the case then when a doctor who is assisting in vitro and you don't implant all of the eggs that you fertilize so that's based on the, on the female and the, and the father's determined could be whatever number those other the other viable they're viable, but they're not implanted. They're normally terminated. Right. They're destroyed. They're destroyed. So would that physician then come up under these laws that said, well, you've basically aborted a, a fetus, or you it's not a fetus, but you you committed it's an zygote, abortion, I don't even know if it's not. and that right. would be... It starts out as a zygote yeah. up until the eighth week, becomes a fetus. That would be uh, you going to, to prison for however many years these particular laws are. So, I mean, it's, I believe we need to be talking about life. And but, when Cheryl, when we talk about life, I think we need to, if we're going to talk about life and, and conception and abortion, I think we need to value all life. So I don't believe that we can sit and have discussion about life of a fetus and when life begins when you have people that are living today that are oppressed or that are experiencing, you know, like I have a, I have a son, I'm an African-American mom and I have to talk to my son about what happens to him if he gets pulled over by a cop because there are people that will value the life of a fetus 
that in my mind, if something were to happen to that baby before it reaches this flesh state, that spirit goes back to be with the Lord. But you have someone else who is physically here, who is oppressed. You have people that are homeless, that are getting, you know, shot and discriminated against. Why are we putting so much value? And, and again, everyone is valued. I think all life is valuable. But why are we putting value, so much value into a spirit that really is going back to God when you have people that are here present that are experiencing hardships and we don't care about those lives? So that's what I don't understand is how we make this selective. We select, oh, well, this one is valuable, but this one is not. Right. Um... I think my I think my argument extends from what Lynette said and also from what Cheryl said because I let's talk about the border issue. I kind of feel like these things kind of go together. We were talking today at dinner about the mistreatment of the children that have been separated from their parents because of immigration issues and how the children are being starved, the children are being maimed, they're being raped, molested, abused, and again, a life regardless of if they're here legally or not they're still alive and I feel like we do put certain values on certain lives and we say whether or not we consider them to be important um it made me flash back to the election night when the results came out and Trump was announced as the winner of the election the conversation that I had with Carrington about just from her personal perspective at the time what were you sophomore you're a sophomore they made her watch the elections part of her econ class so she had to follow the thing in detail what was going on her reaction was almost from a place of fear because of the demographic of people that she goes to school with minorities people of, of latin descent what is going to happen to them um it's just it's amazing to me how we can have compartmentalization with value of life if life is life all life should matter. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, for you, Carrington, you want to express what you said to me about how you just felt about your, your friends and how that would impact them after you found out that, that Trump was elected as president. I don't really quite remember what I said. Um, but I just know they were talking to me about how some of the, they feared that some of the things would be sent back to Mexico. Because I know the things that Trump is doing in office wouldn't really benefit me or my generation um, the way I would like it to. I try to not bother myself about it because I know that since there is going to be another election, I'll be able to vote then, so I'll be able to um, make my my um, input into so actively yeah so you can actively have a say where at that time you were subject to what everybody else voted for basically because you were a minor you didn't have a voice but now that you have a voice you feel like your voice matters all right so i'm trying to get get the, the taco lady back in <laughs> she, she she's on the she's on downswing y'all <laughs> she's on downswing so <laughs> Let's get into some other things um, really quickly. 
where are we at as far as time? Uh, we're doing pretty good. We're about 15, 16 minutes in. The face, I wish you guys, they wouldn't let me record a video recording so you can't see these faces that we're dealing with right now. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about just the church's reaction to what is happening. Since a lot of, we all grew up in church in some capacity. Some of us more entrenched than others, more indoctrinated <laughs> than others. Um, the church's response to what is happening from a government perspective, the validation of what is happening. Well, I don't know what perspective, but I find it interesting that as a church, from my affiliation with the church, I find it interesting that um, the argument is, or the position is, abortion is murder, period, point blank, period. And this is, you know, against the nature of God. We should not do this. However, we are willing to make concessions for women who are raped that get pregnant, or women who are molested that get that get pregnant, or if it's life threatening, we will make concessions for that. But if your position is murder, then why is it okay in these instances where it's acceptable, and, and God will be okay with it? But in any other sense, if you use it as a method of birth control or whatever else, um, it's a sin. You're going you're gonna to go to hell. I don't understand that. Basically, it is what it is. If God says, don't do this, then you're not supposed to do that. There shouldn't be any loopholes or exceptions but to that. we believe God for everything else. So, And, and I'm, I'm going to push it, push it extreme. I think about I have people in my life who are were, who were birthed from a rape. Product of a rape. Yeah. And I can't imagine my life without them. So, you know, what is that? How, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we frame that? Right. I mean, there's something, there's something that we know, those, those children, multiply millions of children who were aborted, we don't know what their destiny was. We don't know what they could have evolved to. But I know that I can only go by what I know what I can touch and what I can feel. These people are very close and very dear to my heart. I can't imagine. But again, that's a choice that their parent made. I would not want to take that choice from them. That's their body. They have to answer to God for whatever. So is it a moral issue? Is it a governmental issue? It's The line is not clear. Well, I, I think for the church, the church is under the, the guise of that it's a moral issue. But like I told you guys, you can't legislate morality. The laws are not set up for that. The laws are set up for what is considered to be societal good as a whole. As a whole, right. Um, because you can't force people to... And then everyone's moral scope is different, depending on what your your influence is. Let me just, let me just throw this in here. Um, you know, I was a baby. I was born in the 60s. And so there was a mindset of, you know, especially for young girls, it was different for boys different standards of how we socialized. You know, the, the popular thing was, you know, you raise your daughter um, to be chaste, and when she gets married, she gets married. She's a virgin. Okay, but now, that's a moral thing. That's not... So how do we, you know, what's important? Is it moral, or is it for the good of all people? Because there are people that are not Christian that are very moral. They raise their daughters just like Christian people raise their daughter. I want you to be a good girl. When you get married, get a husband. You. So how do we? 
why do we make that just a religious thing? It's, I just think it gets subjective because depending on your religious perspective, what you follow, some like there's some religions don't believe in heaven and hell. They don't believe in that concept. Right. So we believe in the religion that we follow that there is a place that you're going to be eternally, that you're going to have to determine where your location is going to be. But, and that influences how we decide to live down here. But if you come from a culture that doesn't believe that there's something beyond this point, then their moral scope will look a little bit different. So I feel like a majority group is trying to force their particular perspective on everyone, which doesn't, to me, doesn't line up with the code of what this country is supposed to be about. We're supposed to be a melting pot diversity celebrating that. Doesn't allow us to do that if you're telling us everybody has to be one way. Well, yeah. Well, and I was just going to bring up another spin is that I was talking to my girlfriend at work on Friday and she knows a young lady who has had to overcome just a life of being degraded and put down because her mom reminds her constantly that she is a product of a woman and that she never was wanted. She never wanted her. She has no value. So I don't believe that I, you know that 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 taking you know that her life that her let me rephrase and say her life is valuable because she is here. So, but if you have someone that did have a child through rape, if that person is not helped to become whole after that situation, then they begin to project the negativity and the hardship that came from that birth onto that child, and then that child grows up thinking that they are less than, that they have no value in some cases, not in every case, but a lot of times if the mother has not dealt with the hurt that came on how that child was conceived, then she projects that on the child and then you have a child who goes through life thinking that they have no value, they shouldn't have been here, they, their life doesn't matter, they, you know, and so then you're, you have another situation of trying to fight through that. So we're so busy pushing the narrative from one perspective that we don't look at that even if their life does come to fruition, that they can still be dealing with things that can haunt them for the rest of their life. So that's the other part of it. I do like what you said about making the, the, the survivor whole. Um, and unfortunately, in certain communities, that's not done. We, we don't get help for issues like that, especially with sexual assault and abuse. That's a whole other conversation. I just have a problem with, when I posted something on my Instagram, a lot of people will reach out and just they like to say that murder is the greatest sin, as if everything around that, like lying, cheating, stealing, everything like that is not as bad as the measure of murder. And personally, I have a problem with that statement because, and I went straight straight to the word, in Matthew 5, 21, it says, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders with the subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And that's through verse 22. And I just think that we are so quick to judge people who do one thing, like an abortion, when we don't put all the other sins on that same table. So if you're going around lying to your friends, or you're going around cheating on your spouse or committing adultery, why don't we put those at the same measures we do as murder? Yes, it's taking away a life, but why are we acting like all these sins are not the same thing? And I think that's what that verse is saying, that 
you're going over here shaming a person that had an abortion, but then you're over here committing all these other sins while you're shaming someone. And I don't think that is our place to shame or our place to judge. We don't know anyone else's story. And I think that that's where in the church we get a little bit judgmental about things. We are so quick to point the finger at whether it's homosexuality or an abortion. We're so quick quick to point a finger at that when we aren't evaluating what's going on in our life and really questioning, well, what am I doing? What is my sin? And I think that that's just bad for us to not put the table all of our sins when we're so quick to point at someone else. But yeah. I feel like we're stepping in the place of trying to govern and correct others, but we don't have that same perspective on ourselves. Yeah. We don't self-correct. We don't acknowledge our own things. We minimize what we do and maximize what other people do. And I feel like that that's become a mentality of our society. Where as a, as a country, and again, this is me spouting my particular opinions when it comes to as a country, we're always critical of other countries and governments of what they do to their people. We feel like we're the savior. We got to go all around the world to save people, but we don't talk about what we do here in this country. The fact that we have so many homeless, so many hungry, the fact that we're putting kids in cages, the fact that we have a, a problem with law enforcement shooting unarmed people of color at an alarming rate and they're not being held accountable for their actions, why don't we deal with home, you know, sweep on our front door before we start going to other places and telling them about their immorality? I just feel like it's laughable. I feel like that's the best way to say that. It's laughable because we're not the moral authority of anything. We should not be telling anybody what to do. And I know we've also said that it's also it's just very interesting that a lot of the people that are so pro-life are also proponents of the death penalty. Yeah. So if if life matters, then why does life I mean life matters all the time? It it matters for everyone under every circumstance. Now you know we there may be very bad people that do there may be some people that have made some bad choices that we disagree with but life if it matters then it matters across the board it doesn't mean that you can select what well, it means okay it's okay an abortion but if someone went out and killed everybody then it doesn't matter because you know their life doesn't matter well no if, if all life can be redeemed then even in that time even in that space that life can be changed so you know life is life let's let's not break it up well i'm gonna you made me think about something and, and this is in the kettle's over there you know keeping it real the um but he also tells us to be weary of the leaven of herod and that's politics i believe really what we're facing is the kingdom has a way of functioning and when you're outside the kingdom it has a way of functioning what do you do when um your belief system is is uh, interjected into an environment that doesn't believe that and that is, that's political. Right. And that we see around the world is incredibly dangerous when a, a religious mindset believes that because this is the way we believe everyone should think and everyone should believe this way. And then you impose that into a greater society. I mean, we can see it throughout the world. So I guess my concern is, you know, that it's easy. I think the you know, as a Christian, you know, the world is not Christian. You know, the, the, um, the Bible is about people 
people were living. It's not like a book about people that, you know, it's just people who were living. So I believe what's what we're really at a crossroads is people are needing to find what they believe. And they're also needing to understand the difference between, like, children today are questioning. Uh, they're seeing hypocrisy. They're seeing um, the difference between, like they were talking about now, you know, murder and death and, you know, these terms are being thrown out. So I just feel that we're at a, at a really important renaissance time where we're understanding that now we're being, we're imposing our faith into politics. And faith and politics are really, they're not friends, they're enemies. Not at all. Yeah. And you'll never, you'll never get, that's why we have democracy. I mean, you don't need it in the kingdom of God. You don't need democracy. It's not a democracy. That's why you don't have it inside the kingdom. But outside of the kingdom, what other kind of construct would you, you would want? You would want something that allowed people to at least live and respect one another. And that's what I believe we're missing when we're trying to impose outside of the kingdom. It's, it doesn't matter. I mean, we had to impose from the ground up um, giving people the right to vote, giving the people the right to be free. That just shows you that in reality, it is the people that need to come together and determine how their society is. Because a lot of the people who were imposing all of the things that the people rose up and rose against, they were people of great faith. But you also highlight the point that they didn't value those lives because why did certain people have to fight for the rights that others already had? So again, if we're pro-life and all lives matter and the life is valuable, then we should be valuing every life regardless of what the life looks like. I feel like we compartmentalize certain people and we put worth on people for some of the most arbitrary things. But what you're doing, you made a point about the fact that you're basically raising up your next group of terrorists because these kids that are being put in cages, the people that are being abused, the people that are being mistreated by the system, you're now turning them to where they have a, a serious hatred for the structure or what represents that and that's why so many people around the world are so anti-america is because we do these particular things we've come into their countries and killed their people we've come into their countries and taken over and we're doing it to our own people and then we wonder why people are so aversive to our nation as a whole i you know love your neighbor i just i i totally agree i love your neighbor um period period you don't even need to go beyond yeah, that. Love your neighbor. Yeah. And there's so many institutions. Like I, I have a friend of mine who works in the foster care system, and that's a whole other world of, of pain and agony and struggle. Some kids are, are thrive in, in through it, and but a lot of kids do not. But regardless, you reach this miracle age, and the state just says, okay. Now you're 18. You're right. Whatever that age is. You're a full-fledged adult. No Not issues. Really. None Not of the stuff that happened to you. You're okay. Bye. <laughs> See really. ya. And then no resources, no transition. No resources, no transition, no... Nothing. Nothing. You have nothing. So I just think, you know, our humanity, not our Christianity, can we just do something about humanity? That's been my argument, is that I'm so bothered by the humanity, or lack thereof, that I see... Um, and I, I've said that a couple times at the end of the podcast on certain topics. I'm just like, if we were just human beings, if we were just human beings, 
a lot of the stuff that we talk about and see in the news will not occur. As a human being, your life has value. Not because you agree with me, not because we're of the same denomination, not because we both believe in a God. You know, if you're an atheist, your life has value. If you're homosexual, your life has value. Who am I to determine the level of value for life? Just be a human being. And like she said, just love. Like, if we can just love people because they are a life. I feel like a lot of this stuff will work out. But this is one of these things that I don't even know if there's enough time and space for us to really attack some of these things. But I feel like you guys brought out some really, really good points and diverse perspectives. Um, So we'll close this out. We're at about 33 minutes. (laughs) What? We made it, y'all. Um, so as usual, you guys can find me on social media, my handle on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and <laughs> Twitter is Dr. Malika Speaks, M-A-L-A-I-K-A. I can't help it, y'all. They got the mic over here acting like they, they're special. See, that's why I want the videotaping because I need y'all to experience what I, I deal with on a regular um, but I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast and Thank hopefully Thank you guys To my girls Oh lord See, Didn't I say we was going to keep nicknames Out of the public spectrum I'm out y'all Like I always say Be good to yourself Be good to others See you next week Bye